I do thank y'all for coming out today. Uh, when I first was told that this would be my day, you know, I thought, well, what's Cody doing? It's the 3rd of July. He was he thinking maybe the people would be on vacation? <laughs> and they wouldn't have to listen to somebody who's never got up and preached God's word before? Or was he doing it for me to try to help me? But I see God has blessed his house today. Y'all have come out. And I thank you for that because there's a lot of things you could be or excuses you could have to be somewhere else today and he sort of helped, he encouraged me a while ago when he told me them three things he always remembers but and that was an encouragement to me but you know I have to uh, being an introvert that I am and being in sales that was sort of pushed my way and I didn't turn it down I come to think that well no matter what happens they're not going to eat me you know <laughs> So we just want to make sure that we, you know, preach God's word correctly. Uh, I'm not, it's not going to be fancy. I'm a country boy. I'm, in, I'm dirt and water and, and that's just about it. Um, let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this time together as we, we come out, Father, to be with you in your house, Father, that we may uh, listen to your word, Father. You're not my word. Father, I'm here to to preach what you want me to preach, Father. And I have, uh, Father, my, in my weakness, Father, I have fretted over it because uh, I want to do the right thing, Father. And, and, but I know ultimately even today, Father, as I come here and before the service and the, and the uh, Sunday school or connection group meeting that, you know, things happen and people give me a word of encouragement just out of the blue and some of them didn't even know what I'd be doing today, Father. And for those who have called me following uh, and text me following the past few weeks even people that I meet that didn't know Father they have been a blessing to me and I, Father I thank you for sending them that way Father as we go through your service Father may we open our hearts to your it could be only one part of it but may it touch someone here today that will Father that in, in their lives be changed in Jesus name uh, I did ask Cody one thing uh, that I could do because our church has changed and I've been here a long time um, I could not probably tell you the exact date I do remember holding Caleb in my lap during service and uh, he was very small but uh, as the church changed and a lot of people new people come um, they may not know me and know my story I'm not that proficient in speaking I'm not loud uh, that, uh, that you might meet me I'm trying to Get, a, get beyond my physical limitations. Sit down, please. Uh, we hadn't even got to the uh, verse yet. Uh, I know how John feels now. And y'all do, and y'all do remember John this morning. He could not be here, and I, I meant to uh, ask God to thank him. But uh, John was uh, had been witness to someone, and they asked him to preach um, his word there. So y'all be with him in y'all's prayers also. Um, but as we're getting back to, to my story, um, you know, I was uh, always felt love in our family. I was, I'm one of five uh, children born to parents who loved us, but we were not church-going people. I mean, we were, my family's background was farming. They either harvested or they helped haul it to the market. And, uh, you know, 
been raised up in South Georgia. If some of you from that area, you can relate to that uh, a long time ago. But uh, as, as usual, or this can happen in a lot of families. Uh, it usually takes one person. Uh, it was my grandparents on my mother's side. They got to go into church, and um, their influence led down to my mom. Uh, she got in church, and she eventually drugged dad down there. Uh, he uh, found people who loved him and uh, brought Jesus to him. And uh, he had a heart attack, a lot younger than I am now, but uh, through God bringing him to church, he uh, got saved. So I know where he's at today. And these things happen in our life, you know, and it's happened in my life. But uh, we, um, I never did get in church really when I was with home with my parents. Uh, when I finally, uh, I stayed there probably a lot longer than they wanted me to. I was 23, I think, when uh, I first got married. I had met this uh, sweet little girl through my sister. It seemed like always someone had to help me out, introverted me, kept me in the football, uh, kept me in the fields or something else. But we were married and, um, we, uh, you know, we started out like any couple. We had our hopes and dreams, and that was the way it was going to be for the rest of our life. We were going to be together, but uh, less than a year after we were married, she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. And uh, a disease that back then people said, well, if you had to get sick, that's the one to get, but, you know, this, that's not right. I mean, we, uh, anyway, we uh, took treatments, went away, come back took treatments, went away. This went on for seven years. She fought it and she never complained. And uh, last time it come back, the doctor just finally said, uh, you know, you need to probably go to St. Louis or Dallas because that's, at that time, that was the two best places to go for treatment. Uh, we went out there. But before we went, um, God and his wisdom and love um, we had a pastor friend of ours who knew we didn't go to church. You know, he was a sweet old man. He just, out of the blue, stopped by the night before we were to leave and came in. And, you know, uh, being a pastor, he had to ask us how our, our condition was. Well, uh, we were lost. I didn't profess that night, but she did. Uh, and so we left there. Uh, the next day, we went to St. Uh, Louis spent the next four months there and people there were wonderful uh, I, that's where I I guess I got my health respect for nurses and because they had a very difficult job when you're in a ward like that with children really young that are sick uh, and they crying these people were wonderful and they're wonderful to us but uh, as the way it sometimes happens they can cure you and they did they cured her but Everything there was experimental, and it uh, took her toll on her, and she um, didn't get to come home. Uh, she passed away there. And uh, I came home. I think I, I rode all the way back from there in a the vehicle um, by myself, and I just uh, you know, cried all the way to the house. Sort of didn't really, I was sort of mad at God because uh, he let this happen. Uh, while I was there, uh, sitting in CCU before she passed away a, a Methodist minister sat down to me because I was alone and that was what God had sent them there for 
And we got to talking, and he asked me, you know, and I told him I was not saved. And, uh, and I, I said a believer's prayer with him. And because I would, I didn't need anything, you know, to save my wife. And uh, I did. I did that, do that then at that time. But anyway, we come home. I come home. And you know me. Uh, if most of you know me, all I want to do is work. I didn't want to sit around. I worked in, uh, in the woods. But uh, I had uh, one day this lady I worked with for a good while came to me and said, Hey, I know. Uh, it hadn't been long, but I know this sweet little girl you need to see sometime. And uh, I said, okay. Just, I went about my business. I just let it go. But then um, one day, her and, and then this girl's mom who I worked with, and I could, I've worked with this lady for 11 years. I could not have told you if she had one kid or five. <laughs> you know, we were friends, but we just didn't discuss family. And she uh, came in with, and there she brought her. You know, the, lady of my life brought her in there and said wow she's pretty <laughs> well we we introduced each other and and uh it went on and and uh in her grace she called me about thanksgiving just to see how i was well she was by herself and and uh and that probably could have been the end of it right then because i was a little short with her she told me later and I didn't realize it at the time. And uh, she, uh, uh, and I just sort of, I didn't forget about it. But later on, I was telling her, I think it was her mom, that I was going shopping uh, for my nieces and nephews because I didn't have kids. And, uh, and I wanted to buy them Christmas. So she, she agreed to go on this Christmas shopping. And I don't know what I did. I must, must have spent too much money because she agreed to go out me again. I guess she thought I was rich. But... <laughs> Uh, anyway, we did. And then I met uh, April and Michael. She had two kids. April was pretty as she could be, and Michael, oh, Michael, he uh, jumped on my head, wrestled. He never, he, never, he never met a stranger. We have even lost him in Walmart just because he follows people around talking to him, and I think it's, it's helped make him a, a good salesman today. But uh, we... Uh, we ended up, uh, we got married, and uh, a short time after that, and uh, and she's always been the, I shouldn't say always, but she started out, she was a spiritual leader in our family when we started out. She was a preacher's kid, her dad been a pastor since the 60s, and um, when we first got married, we started, we went to church with him. Great guy, I loved to hear him preach and, and, and teach, and, uh, but he'd been in the church for 17 years I believe it was 17 and left there went to another church and we followed him uh, as, as God has a way of, of doing uh, he puts you in a position where he needs you to go uh, but he had accepted a church that was a long way off and we were not doing church like we should have we should have been um, going Wednesday night and, and helping and, but because it was far off we used that excuse but then God moved him. He moved him where it had been an hour drive probably. So we started having to look for a church. And uh, we visited a lot of them because she's picky. <laughs> and uh, we came here, and it was it's sort of by accident we came here. But it was God. And I see, I see all this now. I see it as God's will. I mean, he moved us around. And when we got here, we, we never left. We felt a love here uh, that 
It's still here today. But, um, you know, after a couple of years, she said, I, we want, I want to have a, ch- a child together with you. And uh, a couple of years went by, nothing happened. We went to doctors, nothing's wrong. And, and being a spiritual leader she was at the time, she said, we've done this all wrong. We haven't asked God for a child. So we prayed, and we prayed, <laughs> and Caleb was born. And um, this is where, you know, I have a hard time talking about, but it's, um, you see, when uh, my first wife, Janice, passed away, was on August 27th. And when God gave us Caleb, August 27th. Give me. Uh, in 34 years of marriage has not dimmed that fact in my life. Um, and I wanted to tell you all that because I mean, you could be going through a hard time right now, as I was. Uh, sometimes it takes a while, it takes prayer, and it takes us looking back sometimes, you know, years later to see God where He was working and what we're doing. Um, I mean, if you looked in Webster's Dictionary under introverts, you'd see my name there. But God has, um, in this church, he's uh, sort of pushed me along, got me, helped, helped me get to teaching. And uh, even I've been up here before, usually asking the church for money for some project. <laughs> and uh, so all that has sort of helped ease me through being the person I am. And, uh, and I thank y'all for uh, coming out today. We are... Uh, we've always felt love here in, at this church, and and no matter what God does for us, we always call this our home. Uh, our today's text, and I'll ask you to stand now. As I do read God's word, and you have to let me get my eyes on because at 65, they're not what they used to be. We're in Ephesians 4, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 8. He says, I therefore... I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another, bearing with uh, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all. And through all and in you all. Thank you. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. Verse 7. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. Now you may be seated. I just want to make sure I didn't miss that again. I had, I had tried to uh, come up with a, a catchy name for today's sermon and... Uh, the more I've read and the more I've studied, uh, you know, it's all about our Christian walk and, and uh, unity in the church. Um, uh, and in a lot of churches today, that you know, that's a problem. It's, and that, that, as churches are like families, I mean, we're gonna have issues. Uh, but if we we keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, Christ, then uh, we can work through anything, anything at all. Uh, if we look at verse 1, and every time we see this, we always want to do some research. When it says, there, it starts out with therefore, 
uh, we look and we see, it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. This is, I think, the second time in Ephesians, he's al- this is the second time he's already declared him, you know, as a prisoner for Christ. Uh, uh, and I know it, it doesn't matter to Paul because Paul, uh, Paul's, if anything, is not superficial. He is, his main thing is to uh, preach Christ. And as we see both to Jews and to the Gentiles. Uh, in chapter 1, uh, we see three truths that we were chosen for Christ before the foundation of the world. Uh, in Christ, we have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And in Christ, we, hear, we heard the gospel and we believed. And when we believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Paul reminds the Ephesians here that of the condition they were in before they were converted. And as he moves on into chapter 2, he turns his attention to the Gentiles. Uh, uh, he states that they were not part of God's original covenant people, uh, that they were separated from God. But in Christ, Jews and Gentiles uh, were formed into one body. And in the body of the church as followers for Christ. Uh, chapter 3, he states that this mystery was revealed to him. It was not even revealed to the Old Testament prophets, but it was revealed to him. But in Paul's humility, uh, he, he still considered himself the least of the saints. Uh, with all that happened to him, Paul uh, considered that, you know, he, he did not look at things as people at that time were looking at things. They were... When they looked at him, they could only see his circumstances. They, they were more keyed in on what he seen. But Paul was, Paul was always about the things unseen. Uh, he told Ephesians not to lose heart because of his imprisonment for the gospel. He even wrote, in, uh, he wrote that he was willing to endure all. In Acts 21, 13, Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of of the Lord Jesus and he was trying to get them to take their eyes off his circumstances and to put his eyes on Jesus uh, that his work for the Lord was going forward no matter what was happening in his life you know all too often our circumstances blind us uh, to what God's doing and what's going on and, and, and in closing on chapter 3 he closed with a wonderful prayer and then you look at verse 17 it says so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. And so as we, we get our therefore out of the way, we get a little research done and look back, and we move on to our main part of the uh, sermon today. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 1, as we move in, he says, Walk worthy of the calling to which you are, are called. Uh, walk is mentioned seven times in Ephesians. It describes a lifestyle. A worthy walk is consistent with the Christian's position as a member of the body of Christ in all aspects of life show what Christ has done for you and have a Christ-like spirit sort of what we used to see all the time the WWJD bracelets what would Jesus do and I try to in people I talk to and meet that's usually what I want to try to put in their mind in the situation what would Jesus do in this position here Uh, all are watching you know people watch us I have Failed at times at work uh, when things get stressful, but I know people are watching, so I want to have I shall be blameless attitude uh, in my walk with Jesus. We're all going to fail, you know, but we always should keep Christ as our standard. You know, I'm a country boy at heart, and I've told you that before. 
and I looked at two things with country eyes uh, because it's, uh, I'm simple that way. And I could tell you about the time I had uh, this dog I bought to hunt raccoons. He was purebred and had the papers to prove it. But he just could not help but chase after a hot deer and never could catch him at it because he was always going to find a raccoon in the end to tree. So I couldn't catch him at it. But, you know, we all have deer, the deers in our life that we end up pulling us off track. But with Christ, we can move forward and move back. Uh, uh, as Christians, we should abide in Christ with love. We're always going to fail, but always look to what say you're saved for. Pray for guidance. Uh, I have uh, prayed for this day that God give me the uh, strength and courage to stand here and be what he wants me to be, not me. Because if I put myself in, you know, what I want, I want to come off not looking bad. But what I've got to do is I've got to come off showing what Christ needs, not me. I have to put my feelings aside. Uh, as Christians, we should abide in Christ with love. Galatians 5.25 says, If you live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. 1 John 2.6, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Our walk with Christ is not a ritual. It's not ritualistic, as you might say. It's a result of the love we feel for Christ. And we should always maintain that love. It can't be contained. You know, this, yesterday, I was fortunate to have my family with me at the lake. Um, and a lot of little children in there. And with children, you can tell. They're either happy or sad, and they show it. You know, they're not like us where we can go around and fake it. And he asked us to come to that childlike faith and be that way. Um, and as a side note, you know, we... Uh, Andrew sort of stole a thunder there with his we couldn't afford to be anywhere else today uh, yeah, I was I was going to mention the fact that you know because of gas being so high um, even it's late yesterday used to we would Tony and them were late they used to we'd take kids out on a tube we'd go all the way up to the bridge and then come all the way back down now we go about two thirds of the way up the bridge and come back down <laughs> sort of like your cereal boxes you get now and things that are short but young children, we need to look to them sometime to see, uh, to have that childlike faith. Uh, in verses 2 and 3, we look to worthy attitudes that we should characterize in our walk with Christ. It says, with all lowliness or humility. And it's the humility that comes from Jesus. Uh, we look in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We should esteem others better than ourselves. You know, the opposite of humility, of lowliness is pride. And we know that pride comes before a fall. When working on my sermon today, I at times let pride get in the way. I was always afraid of failing, and I realized I was worrying about something too much. I realized that I was only an instrument for Christ. That's why I'm here, this Christ instrument. Uh, and he's the craftsman. Uh, in Jesus' time on earth... If, when you look back and read uh, humility, that wasn't even a good word for humility because nobody wanted to be humble. You always had to be the strongest and the meanest. Uh, but we learn we learn that from Jesus. We also learn that uh, humility is illusion. You know, most people who claim to be humble, they've already lost it. Um, 
in MacArthur's commentary on Ephesians. I read it tells us if, if you focus too much on it, it will turn to pride. Uh, in the book uh, Freedom by Timothy Keller, he writes, The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's just thinking of myself less you know, and others more. Uh, what does this look like when we put others first in everyday life? I've had great examples even here at this church. You know, I've, I've seen people when we have uh, fellowship and dinner or lunch, I've seen people who would not even go and get in a line, you know, until everybody else has been served. And there's always plenty. There's always plenty. Um, and people who always come through and help others and donate and don't even want to be told, you know, I know about it. They show up when there's a need. Uh, there's always, if you look, there's always great examples. Uh, it brings us to gentleness. You know, Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Humility will produce gentleness or meekness, and they go hand in hand. It's an attitude that submits to God's will without rebellion and to man's unkindness without retaliation. I didn't come up with that. I, I read that, and I thought that, hey, Today, it's always, you know, a lot of society teaches us, you know, you need to hit first. We have all been wrong or thought we've been wrong only to fly off the handle, so to speak. You know, a term someone may have coined when an axe handle flew off. And as in relationships, when you fly off the handle or an axe head comes off the handle, nothing's good going to come of it, especially for those, you know, close by. Uh, meekness does not imply weakness. If you look in the Bible, you can see time and time again, uh, were people who physically could have done whatever they wanted, even Jesus. If you look in uh, Matthew 26, 53, do you not think I cannot appeal to my Father? And he sent 12 legions of angels. But he chose. He chose God's will. First um, Samuel 24, 1-7, David's in a cave. Saul comes in, and his guide said, get him, get him, you know. David, and, and, and uh, Cody mentioned this long ago, David was not going to touch God's anointing. He was, he, he was even remorseful for even cutting part of his robe off. Uh, in Numbers 12, 3, if you go back to Moses, now Moses, it says, was now Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. But look what he did. He even confronted the ruler of the known world at that time, uh, the Pharaoh, and, and all the mighty works he did in the desert just bringing his, God's people to the promised land. There are many other examples, but be humble as our Lord was humble and be restrained. He is your example and you're his children. Our walk should declare this in Christ. Next will come to long suffering or patience. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. It can be defined as an even disposition and a spirit of patience under prolonged provocation. You know, most of the time these days, it's someone, not something that, uh, you know, sort of gets to us. But, you know, a lot of times lack of patience is just a lack of love. And we, all, and we all need to focus on that. We only have to look to Abraham. He waited and waited for a child. You know, after two years, we were fretting over it. Abraham waited years and years to see fulfillment of God's promise. You know, Moses walked through the desert and endured, endured the people rebelling over and over, but he still stayed. Uh, in this day and time, uh, we live in a sort of like a microwave society and we can't wait. Uh, 
My, and, and to me, I thought it was one of the best examples was someone who would out with no water, nowhere near, and never had rain, labor 120 years just to build a boat. And what patience, how God, how God can work with people. Um, you know, this is probably the longest part in my whole sermon is patience because I deal with the problem with patience. And with God, I'm trying to work through that. Uh, let us not forget Paul, who's writing here. He endured hardship, ridicule, persecution, and to patiently serve Christ. And in this day and time, um, even red lights get to us. You know, microwaves are not fast enough. And the person driving in front of you is just driving way too slow, and you can't pass them. Uh, and, and go to a checkout line. Please do not have someone get in front of you with a, that might not have a price tag on it. And you have to wait. We have to learn love. Uh, and a long time ago, uh, when God convicted me, when somebody cut me off, I just sort of have to think, well, maybe they have a loved one they're running to. Give some grace. We need to give grace. Uh, a love that gives grace to someone in times when they, you don't know what's going on in our lives. Um, love which binds all things together. You know, Jesus was hated, rejected, and crucified for us without striking back. If we claim to have Christ in us, how can we not show it with at least some patience? In life, I often fail to allow for margin. I cram too much into my day. I do it to myself. Uh, not leaving room for unexpected delays or ways to help other people. Christ alone, my wife, has convicted me of this, and I'm working on it. Uh, and this sermon is a prime example of that. I've been praying and studying ever since Cody sent, you know, gave me this schedule for July. And I wanted to have things pop up, especially in the last couple of weeks at work. Um, they're just negative things, trying to take my focus off what I need to be doing. And then Alex, uh, my, who I call my brother from below the border, uh, he uh, wanted to go see his parents. And he took off, and Alex is priceless to me. I have to have Alex. And since he's gone I've had to go check jobs so I'm doubling my workload but it, through it all um, I've had people call me and say I'm praying for you or text me mainly text me and say I'm praying for you and God has worked it out to this day that to right now I'm not sweating <laughs> uh, but you know his help his help to me in situations like this is not going to come about if I don't ask for him I don't ask God. Um, let's move on to bearing with one another in love. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. But love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. We cannot experience this grace without love. Love eases the tension when someone is maybe perhaps sanding you with 60 grit paper and just rubbing you the wrong way. The Holy Spirit has made all believers one in Christ. Therefore, the body of Christ should be as one in unity in this spirit. Uh, we can act if this is not so by thinking too much of ourselves, but to keep the unity of the spirit, we have to live at peace with one another. 
Peace binds us together in spite of our differences. We have to put, we have to put aside our wants and needs for the common good. And why do we not do this? It's usually self. We want what's for us. Uh, and this also, all too often, this divides us in church. And most of the times, the divisions are over things that's really not probably God's timing. We just need to wait on His timing. Uh, and we can only come together in a spirit of unity if we first pray and bring it to God. Uh, working together means bearing with one another love. And this will result in peace and the common good for all. And if you have humility, gentleness, and if we are long-suffering, long suffering, we can bear with one another in love. And this, it's, the rest of the verses here is going to bear this out in, I think, seven uh, realities. One body, Romans 12, 5 says, So we, though many, are one in Christ and individually members one of another. There is one body made up of true believers. This is in spite of our differences, such as how we're brought up, our culture we're in, our race, and how we speak, even our temperament. Our church is not perfect. Families are not perfect because they're made up of what? Imperfect people. Uh, our church is here to bear witness of God's love. And as we come together in Christ, while leading others to Christ, that's the way, for, that's the way to joy and eternal peace. The church body started at Pentecost and will last until rapture. But if we put Christ first, then our denominations and differences and our parties, they will not be as clearly defined. And what's going to happen at rapture? They're going to all be gone anyway. We have one spirit, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The same spirit is in each believer and dwells the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19. He repeats this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Paul was trying to pound it in to us. We all have one hope, and that's in Christ Jesus. He, we are called to that destiny. This is an eternity with him. Innocently filled with his glory. And as believers, we can start sharing that now. Uh, the Holy Spirit is here to guide us. He sent it. When he left, he sent it to us as we wait for him to come back. And we have one Lord. You know, there are many gods, but there's only one true God. We choose to find things in our life. We make gods. My wife, and I, and I know she will not mind me telling this, uh, just for, for the longest the TV is my God because I can't help but turn it on. And I have patiently, and she's been patient with me, and I've worked through that, and I'm still a work in progress. From the Old Testament New Testament, even today we read about and we see many gods. As believers, we have one, Lord Jesus. He is all and in all of us. In him we have the redemption of sins. This, many, this world has many things to pull us aside. And, and sometimes we let it things that seem good, but there's things that seem that keep us from Christ and uh, who is our Lord and Savior, and I'm no different. Uh, we have one faith, our Christian faith. In Jude 1.3, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. We have one baptism. 
There are two ways to look at baptism. We have baptism of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink of that one Spirit. But there's also baptism by water, which I believe is what Paul was, was talking about here, where we identify with the believer's baptism in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. When we go down to the water, we are bearing our old self and coming up in a newness of life. And this is a sort of unity for us in our church. Uh, there's one God, supreme, sovereign of the universe. Through all, he has used everything to accomplish his purpose, even the good and the bad, even the bad in my life. You know, he, he, he loved Janice. He did not, he made a way. And that way led her to heaven. Um, when we go down into the water, as I said, we're bearing our old self and come up in newness of life. And that bearing is bringing you up to Christ so that from then on, you have that assurance. And God being sovereign, that was his plan. Verses 7 and 8 as we close. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. That was almost a tongue twister to me. As we look at these verses, we see a change where Paul was, going, was talking about the body of Christ. Now he's sort of bringing it home to talk about each of us individually. He bestowed on each believer different gifts for building up the body of Christ. Each member of the body is different with different gifts. I mean, we'd, it would be boring if we all did the same thing. Uh, as we use these gifts for God's glory and, and the glory of Christ, the body of Christ will grow. We will grow spiritually and we will grow in number. These gifts are not deserved and they cannot be earned. When we read that he ascended on high, we also know that he first descended because if he ascended up, he had to come down because he's, he's forever. Uh, and when he came to earth, he came to earth to save us from our sins. Death, hell, and then he rose and went back to heaven. This is what he means by leading captivity captive. And he did this for you and me. Now, I know this has not been long. You know, I, and I knew I was going to fumble because this is a first. And, and a lot of things in first in our life we don't do is perfect. I, I will, to this day, remember in 1976, the first bedroom of carpet I ever put in for a lady. And I had to do a seam in it. I tried and I tried. And I finally just give her the job. She would take it like it was because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, how should we respond today? You know, I was going to let Cody take over and, and lead y'all and, and, uh, and to see if somebody wanted to come. But I'm asking you now, how, how should we respond to God's message? Is there someone out here like me that um, thought he had it all right? I wanted to realize, you know, back... 25 years ago, I realized I didn't have it right. And I, Daniel Lanier was here, had a, um, what we used to call him? Crusade. Crusade. And I realized that night, I sat there listening to him that, you know, I was, I've been basically a good person most of my life. Mama never gave me a curfew. I did, and I didn't mean I didn't mess up, but I realized, and, and, and my wife rubbing off on I seen her. I seen how she studied and she read and I was not doing that and I convicted myself that night and I come forward and I asked God to save me and there I am on the floor 
I get up and I look and there's Caleb. He came too. So I ask you now, is there something that you want to bring to us? We'll be down front. Um, bring to us or you just bring it to God. You don't have to come to us. Uh, you can ask us how you can be saved, how you can know if you're saved, or you can just bring something that's in your life that you, you need to bring to God. Uh, and I'll close with that now. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. -on -one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.